This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club No time to fuck around. Off to the races. Baby Nation, I'm giving birth in one month. And by I, I mean my wife, my beautiful wife, Jamie. Mm -hmm. We're giving birth in one month. And what that means is I'm going to need to take a couple weeks off. But we we don't want you to suffer for our transgression, Baby Nation. (laughs) So Jack and I are getting ahead of records a little bit, which means recording twice in one week. So we're it's early on a Tuesday here. Just got home from work, and we're blasting through this app, and the energy is going to be wild. It's going to be wet and wild. Are you including me in your transgression, Tanner? Um, I think partially. Yeah, okay. I think the transgression there is that Jamie and I decided to do intercourse and have a baby, mm-hmm. and also at the same time we have this podcast. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that that grouping of things does kind of sweep me in like a fisherman's net. Yep. To your sin. And Baby Nation. Yes, and Baby Nation. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a fucking village, man. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, here we are. Wet, wild. Wet, wild, hot, heavy, if I may say so. Horny. Yep. Weird. Weird. A little wonderful. A little wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um... And if we're gonna have to at some point the nap time alarm is gonna go. Up. Oh yeah, that's the other part. And you'll we're know early. Go, woo, woo, woo. And Usually then, we wait till after nap time to record, but that creates some late nights for us. Yeah. So this time we're trying to get a, ahead of it a little bit, yeah. but the nap time alarm is gonna sound at random. Yeah, I guess it's the bedtime alarm. Yeah, bedtime alarm. The bedtime alarm. So it, when you hear that, everybody run for fucking cover. Everybody. Yeah, because it means Cyril's going to bed. Yeah, and there's no fucking with that. Yeah, That shit is sacrosanct. I don't care if you're talking about, you're like elbows deep in Boethius. Right. We're stopping. Okay. We're going to cut it off. Okay, I'm going to keep an eye on the clock, and I'm going to try to steer us to a point where we'll be elbows deep in Boethius <laughs> at bedtime. Okay, good. <sighs> what are we? What I'm, I'm in my wrong notes. I'm looking at my notes for the little sister. Oh, I haven't even finished that one yet. <laughs> it's gonna be a wet, wild night. Horny, hot, wonderful, heavy, heavy would have been good before, huh? Yeah, I said heavy at some point. Oh, okay. Um, we read Babysitters Club. No, no, no. That's not how we do it. Babysitters nope, Little Sister nope, Number Eighteen. Nope, Karen's nope. Home Run. Nope, that's wrong. That's that is wrong. We read. We did read that. We have read. That's that. what I have open. Yeah. No. That's what we've been reading. Um, and I'm ready and equipped to talk about it. I assume you have a song you're going to sing about it. But we we're not doing that here. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we're not doing that here. What we're doing here is introducing the show. Oh my god! I have so many notes. Great. Well, it's going to be a dense episode. Let's get into it. Do we say hi hi or do we say why why? Because it's a mystery? Yeah. That's pretty good. I think we say hi, 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 and welcome to the babysitter. What if we said okay. hi, hi, and why, why, but we did it like, you say hi, hi, and then I say, and why, why. I don't love why, why. And then you say, and welcome to the babysitter's club. We can try it. Do you think you can say it in like a very mysterious, enigmatic way? Like like Vincent Price? And why, why? <laughs> That's. It sounds like you can do it in an enigmatic way. Maybe I should do hi hi. Yeah, but there's no way you'll ever get to re- remembering that you need to do it. Hi hi, and why why? And welcome to the Babysitters Club Club. Wait, no, you fucked mystery. it up. Mystery. No. No. Now I have a clarification question. Yeah. Is it the Babysitters Club Mystery Club or is it the Babysitters Club Club Mystery? I think it's the Babysitter's Club Mystery Club. That's at least the last five episodes that we've done of it would seem to no, imply we kind that. of we actually kind of go back and forth quite a bit, it seems like. <laughs> you could say, welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club Mystery Club. And I like that because we would get another club in there. Club in there. Which I've always wanted. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. okay. That sounds good. Well, why don't we try that? You take BSCCMC. Okay. We'll try okay. it just this time. It's not. It's not set in stone. We're gonna try it. See how it feels. Take it out. Hi. Hi. Start again. Okay. <clears throat> Wait. I'll start again. Don't step on me this time. Okay. Okay. Give yep. me some runway. Yeah. Hi. Hi. And why? Why? And welcome to the Babysitters Club Club Mystery Club. I love it. I'm. The Riddle Master, Jack Shepard. I'm the Whisperer in the Darkness. What was I? <laughs> Whatever you like, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the. I'm the. Uh, what is? What do they say in this book? There was a good thing about that. Koki says to Christy. Oh, the like the ghost that reaches with its fingers at at midnight. I think I found it. Yeah. So say your thing again. I'm the Riddle Master, Jack Shepard. And I'm the cold, slimy hand of the ghost that touched you just as the clock struck 12. <laughs> Name? Uh, Tanner Green Ring. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. It does take away from it. but yeah. Um, and what we do here is we read the great mysteries in the Great Babysitter's Club mystery series uh, adjacent. Uh, takes place in a parallel universe to the Babysitter's Club Sitter's Cycle universe by... Confirmed. I have a, I have a uh, segment for that, but I didn't come up with a gothic rhyme for the intro, so we're well, we, that's not how. that's together. not how we do it. That's not how, how we do that segment, and also, um, y- usually you sit quietly w- until I've said the name of the novel. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think yep. that's actually accurate. And then you can weigh in. I'll give you a. I'll give you a chance to. Weigh but in. I usually don't do. Th- I no, understand that that's you what do. you usually want me to do, but yeah. I usually don't do that. It's by the great mystery herself, Anne Matthews Martin. We don't know much about her. Not much about her biography. We know her first name is Anne. We know the middle name begins with M. We think it's Matthews. Last name Martin. That's it. There's nothing else. Matthews is at best an educated guess. Yeah, on our part. Yes. We have no idea. Yeah, maybe it's mystery. Do we? Oh, and mystery Martin. It's that's Anne almost Martin. certainly it. I feel like such a fucking idiot because we've been saying Matthews this whole time. But and it's Anne where mystery did it Martin. even come from? It, you, one of us just started saying it. Yeah, we didn't look I it think up. It or was anything. like back in the old days, someone just like decided to start saying a bunch of bullshit, and they said like the princess, yeah, and all this other shit, and it was like that doesn't make any sense. Um, it, our epithets. Are we doing epithets? No, for we're the saying mysteries? what we're saying is the great mystery. Anne, Mystery Martin. Mystery Martin. Because I think I found an epithet. If okay. it's not Anne's, I don't know whose it is. Say it and we'll talk about it. But I don't want them to pile up like last time. It got unwieldy. Can we play Wizard of Oz? Ask Jamie. You can be Dorothy. And Lucy can be Toto. And I'll be the Cowberry Lion. <laughs> I like the Cowberry Lion. <laughs> uh, I don't know who it belongs to, but it felt... It felt like someone was trying Cowberry to signal us. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like that's something. Uh, can I say the name? Is there any chance I could say the name of the book? <laughs> you tell me, boss. Okay, I'm going to just try Am it right? and see what happens. Uh, this week we read a novel called Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 9, Christie and the Haunted Mansion. You and, got it out. Yeah, Tanner, what we do, as you will remember, uh, is when we talk about the fact that these books take place in an alternate universe. yeah. One of us either sings a song that talks about different worlds and different universes oh, or uh, speaks from the philosophical canon on possible worlds theory. Okay, I've got one, and it's thematically appropriate for this one. Okay, great, and I'll just do mine at the same time. Yep. Okay. Are you ready? Ready? Yep. Somewhere Although possible world has been part of the philosophical the lexicon, at least since Leibniz, the notion became firmly entrenched in contemporary philosophy with the development of the possible world semantics the languages of propositional and first-order modal logic. In addition to the usual sentence operators of the last such as and birds fly if, and in the first order case the quantifiers all and some these languages contain operators intended to represent the modal adverbs necessarily and possibly although a prominent aspect of logic in both aristotle's work and the work of many medieval philosophers modal logic was largely ignored from the modern period to the mid 20th century what do you think uh, I think that's an unwieldy intro, but mm-hmm. 
I like it a, a lot. Okay, I like it a lot. And this is our segment. It's the only segment we have so far that doesn't involve being introduced by a gothic poem. And it is where we talk about the little signals that Anne and Ellen Miles give us in these novels that these books take place in an adjacent and parallel universe, but not the same universe as The Babysitter's Club. Tanner, what did you find this week? There's just, there's so many yeah, signals. I found, a, I found a couple myself. There was the Santa stuff. The Santa stuff. Okay, I'll just go ahead and start with the Santa stuff then. Mm-hmm. Chapter one. Merrily we roll along, roll along, roll along. Row, row, row your boat. Jingle bells, Santa smells a million miles away. Hmm. My head was pounding. I felt as if I were trapped in a hot, tiny room with nine munchkins who were all singing different songs. That sounds like the intro to this segment. Yeah. In the Babysitter's Club mystery books, Mm. Santa Claus lives one million miles away from Earth. Okay. Interesting. He's a spacefarer. As opposed to on the North Pole. On the North Pole, right. That's interesting. It's a subtle difference in the mythology. That puts him like somewhere... Between the orbit of Earth and Mars. Right. Okay. You looked it up. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. well past the, the moon, mm-hmm. but it's it's like one-fifteenth of the way to Mars. And how does he get... He gets a sleigh with reindeers. We don't know. Unclear. They don't dip too far into the mythology around Santa. That's cool. Alien Santa. Alien Santa. So that's one of the subtle differences, Mystery Nation, between... The world of the Babysitter's Club Mysteries and the world that we know and love of Stony Brook and the Babysitter's main canon series is there's Space Santa, Alien Santa, instead of Snow Santa. Snow Santa, yep. Um, One that I have is a big one. Okay. On my t-shirt was written the name of my softball team. It said Crushers in Red. Bart was wearing a shirt that looked a lot like it, except his said Bashers. That's the name of his team. Some of the kids in the van are Bashers. The others are Crushers. But for that day... All nine kids were crashers. That's right, crashers. Bart and I had combined some of the players on each of our teams to make an all-star squad that could play teams from other towns. Tanner, it is only in the Babysitter's Club Mysteries that Christie's Crushers and Bart's Bashers have combined to create a super team called the Crashers and not the Brushers. Yep. This is like the second or third week in a row that the Crashers have been featured predominantly in the plot of these books. Right. And they never once, ever, once, ever, ever, ever came up in the Super Specials or the main canon series. Right. But they are all over these fucking things. They're celebrated. People travel across Connecticut. Yeah. For the second week in a row, people have traveled across Connecticut to catch... A Crashers game. Crashers games. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. I got more. Do you yeah, want more? Yeah, let's hear more. I, I want lay down this wall of evidence because pe- I feel like people don't believe us that these take place in an alternate universe, but it's canon. Okay, here's an easy one. Mm-hmm. They're going around the, the van, the crashers, and they're introducing themselves and doing some fu- good fun facts. Well, I said, my full name is Kristen Amanda Thomas. My best friend's name is Marianne Spear. I like sports and animals, and I don't like dressing up, eating cabbage, squirrels, loose teeth, and people who chew with their mouths open. Hmm. So what we know about this Christie is that she loves sports and animals. Right. She doesn't like dressing up. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like eating cabbage. Right. Eating squirrels. Mm-hmm. Eating loose teeth. Mm. And eating people who chew with their mouths open. Wow. That's very interesting. And I'm not totally sure whether or not Main Cannon Christie does like those things. Or Christie likes eating. Loose teeth. Squirrels. Squirrels. Right. She never says, but... Yeah. Well, it's implied, I guess, that she does, right? Because that's that's something you would want to deny right out of the gate. Yeah. I deny it. Especially if, like... I deny it now if I haven't before. Right. In case there's an alt-tanner out there in another universe... Yeah. I just want to say right now that I do not like eating loose teeth. Right. And if he does, that's his business, but, like, I just want to be able to kind of say, like... Yeah. You know... I set myself apart from him. Curiously silent on the squirrels topic. Um, also, squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Better late than never. Um, yeah, these books take place in an alternate universe. Tanner, what about if we describe this one? Okay. Okay. How? Uh, I think the way that we do it is we take it in turns. This week, it's my turn to... Dis- oh, 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 I found another one. Okay. Great. Just real quick. Mm-hmm. 
In this one, the Pike Boys talk backwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. That's a bigger topic. They're cursed with backwards speak in this universe. Well, I think they're living backwards. Okay, fine. But I feel like it's kind of... And we can get into it more later, but like, yeah. I feel it is, like it is sort of like part of this alternate universe. Yeah, it probably only happens in the, this universe, but I think what is happening and what you will find is that they're doing a version of Benjamin buttoning. Oh, okay. They're not talking backwards. They're talking forwards, but to... But they're living backwards. To normal people who are living in a linear fashion. Well, they're li- living in a linear fashion, right. too. Right. Sorry, like, in a forwards linear fashion. Right. Uh, it. Well, who's to Maybe they think we're living in a backwards linear fashion, you know? Don't well, be so normative. Well, <laughs> okay, fine. Except, you describe the book. Right. Okay. They're going to get younger and younger. So it's more normal what we're doing. Just getting older and older. That's you're still being normative. Who's to say that's normal to get older and older? Maybe I, I, the normal thing is to get younger and younger, and we're the all. No, what's Jack normal is what most people are doing. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's more normal to eat loose teeth and get younger and younger. The triplets who are ten years old stood there grinning at her. E me Nadraj said Jordan. Me Mada said Adam. Me Norib said Byron. Marianne looked at them, mystified. What? she said. They repeated what they said, only this time they all spoke at the same time. Their words sounded even more like gobbledygook. Marianne shook her head and grinned back at them. Well, if you were as smart as I am, you would have immediately read that backwards and learned that that they say, Hi, I'm Jordan. I'm Adam. And I'm Byron. Which sounded very intelligible to them at the time because they are living backwards through time and it's sad and it shouldn't be made light what you just said what you said was if a majority of people are not living backwards then they're in the minority and then they're not normal but what you just the passage you just read Mm -hmm. three people are living backwards and one is not that's true but it's not a representative sample even from this you read this book as well come on you're right a moment later mal comes in and mal's like oh ignore them they're living backwards yeah and then okay that's still three and two jack a majority of people in this universe are living backwards. That's you're, This is logic chopping. It's not. And it's also sad because it means that they're like right at the end of their lives. Sad for you, maybe, but they've lived a full <laughs> long life, you know? They're ready to go. Well, I think it's an interesting choice that Ellen and Anne have made in this universe to have the triplets living backwards through time. And I hope that she, they at least in future books reverse their speech so it's easier for us to understand it. Even though it is clear, wow, that that's just what's living in your fucking privilege. Huh? <laughs> Learn how to speak backwards, Jack. How about that? Here's Not everyone what, has to bend over backwards to please Jack. Here's one of the backwards things they said that I found just incredibly profound, and maybe sheds light on Anne and Ellen's theory of time in this novel. What asked Marianne? Adam and Byron were right behind him. Emit rough repos, said Adam. Which spelled backwards is supper for time. <laughs> Ooh. I think that's powerful. They're like, we are all supper for time. Ooh, that is I like I want to get that like tattooed on me somewhere. Isn't that profound? We should go back to two thousand two and do like a rap rock album together. Yeah. And it'll be called Supper for Time. Supper for Time. That's so yeah. fucking powerful. Um, later, they talk about Jackie Rudowski, they, and Chrissy says, Jackie Rudowski, another crusher, is known as the walking disaster. He's accident-prone, to put it kindly. Yeah, that's a very kind way of putting that, Christy. <laughs> He's literally supper for time. For time. He's as, been as are we all. eaten from the inside by time yeah. itself. Devoured. Um, and they also here's another time thing that happens. Did you fucking catch this shit? They have this like crazy vision of the future. No, Marianne Spear, who is as I mentioned the club secretary, is also my best friend in the whole world. She and I have been friends as long as I can remember, and somehow I know that we will always be friends. I can just picture us at 85 sitting in rockers on a porch somewhere and exchanging memories of the good old days. At 85, I'll still be a loudmouth, and Marianne will probably still be her shy, sensitive self. Friendships are funny, aren't they? I'm looking forward to when we're 85. Well, you'll be much older. You'll be in your 90s. But I'll be 85. Yeah. Actually, you probably won't make it to your 90s, huh? Let's say 75, and you'll be 81. Okay. 
That'll be fun. We'll be sitting here in New York where we both live. Mm-hmm. Our boys will be grown men. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll have their own podcast about space space babysitters. Yep. <laughs> they'll want to follow in their papa's footsteps. Yeah. We'll be living off the riches of this podcast and yeah. our space houses. And we'll say, we were right all along. We are just supper for time. And then you'll close your eyes and pass. Yeah. And I'll say, my work here is done. <laughs> That's really beautiful. Um, but so this novel has a very interesting relationship with time and the future. Like we see Marianne and Christy six, seven decades hence. We see Jesse and Mallory at 85. Mal will be sitting in a rocker writing in her journal. And Jesse will be standing near the porch railing with her foot stretched out on top of it, still limber despite her advanced years. It's beautiful. beautiful. It's beautiful. This is a novel about time. It's about traveling through time. It is about the ravages that time, the great destroyer, can do upon us all. Tanner, I would love to describe it. We just met with our doula. Okay. This week. Mm-hmm. And she recommended this for Jamie, but I decided I was going to do it too, mm-hmm. is that when we are in the throes of um, active labor and we're having contractions and we're really pushing hard, mm-hmm. um, the doula suggested that Jamie uh, visualize a, a place that's sacred to her and that makes her feel happy. The Natural History Museum? Um, I don't know what Jamie, she wouldn't reveal to me. Okay. But mine is going to be this vision of the Babysitter's Club sitting on some kind of plantation-style like mansion with a wraparound porch together. Next like to each, a dead man? Each doing, <laughs> yeah, You'll be there, too. <laughs> each doing their various things as 85-year-olds. That's lovely. Do you, do you want to describe the book? Or? Well, I was going to ask, and we can, we can cut this out if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, but are you guys going to have a Benjamin Button? Do you know? Um, we actually have a scan tomorrow. Okay, so it's and you I can't tell until right until the end. Uh, we th- we don't want to know. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so progressive and modern. It's just a, yeah. you should do a, a button reveal party. Oh, oh, we actually that that feels a little, eh. you know, it feels a little old fashioned. Feels a little problematic. Where it's We're like gonna you, shoot, you shoot two balloons, and if it you shoot a balloon, and if it like if the smell is of perfume. Yeah. It's it's a regular child, but if it's right. the stench of whiskey and cigars, yeah. it's a Benjamin Button. Okay. I'll ask Jamie. Yeah, I think we we made a couple decisions. We decided that we were going to wait to see whether or not he was Benjamin Button when he was born, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to actually have um, an extra foreskin added on. <laughs> okay, that's nice. Yeah. Wow, you guys are really doing things all the modern way. Yeah. Uh, what about I describe the book? Okay. Okay, we'll put some music on. I'll describe it. Then you'll do it. I've got a, this very, very fucking mysterious clock. Oh, uh, I hate this fucking clock. Yeah. It well, taunts me. Yeah, you can't know whether you hate it or love it. <sighs> There's nothing oh. you can know about it. I'm afraid of it, I think. I'm oh, afraid you, of the unknown. You both should and shouldn't be. Yeah. It's like both right. It's right in the, in the wrong way to be afraid of it. And I hate wrong that your in the clock right is so way. mysterious and mine is so obvious. Yeah. Yours is because like obvious. yours is the big mysterious clock, and mine is just sixty second Burger Run, right? Which is mysterious and it's like, in its once own I get way. a game of sixty second Burger <laughs> Run in, like yeah. I know you're out of time, but it's like it's just there's no allure there. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless you like burgers, okay. I'm gonna describe the book, and then you'll describe the book. You ready? Yes. I'm gonna begin now. If someone you loved vanished, how far out of your mind would you go? To find them. After his... My mind? I'm not asking you a question. I'm doing a thing. Okay. You did ask me a question, though. You asked a question, and you looked at me. I'm going to start again. It's a rhetorical question. Don't answer it. Say say whether or not things are rhetorical. Rhetorical question coming up. Do a sound effect. Rhetorical question. Perfect. If someone you loved vanished, how far out of your mind... Would you go to find them? Out of my mind? It's a f- I said it was oh, a rhetorical uh, question. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. I'm still new to this. I, I'm, I'm new to the, the drop, so. Okay. Ba-da-da-da-ba-da. Rhetorical question. Upcoming. Yes. Do not answer. Do not yep. answer. 
If someone you loved vanished, how far out of your mind would you go to find them? After his girlfriend Dorothy disappears during a rainstorm, Will spends the good part of three decades searching for her. But when a ragtag group of three-foot-tall softball players take shelter from a storm in Will's mansion, the mystery begins to unravel, and a heart-pounding cat-and-mouse game begins, resulting in one of the most shocking endings of all time. Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 9 Christy and the Haunted Mansion. Here's my guess. Uh-huh. If I had to guess. Yeah. The 2003 psychological thriller starring John Cusack, Identity. No. Wow, really? No. I was certain that was it. Nope, not even close. Because you, you do you know that? Have you seen Identity? Because you pretty you pretty summarily like got the the plot of it. Um, I will admit that I borrowed some of my description from the 1993 Kiefer Sutherland remake of the 1988 French Belgian film The Vanishing. Oh, have you seen it? No. You haven't seen The Vanishing? No. It's pretty intense. But it's also very much the plot of this novel. Yeah. It's also the plot of um, Identity. I've got 60 seconds ready for you here. Okay. On what? I'm going to pull them. Tell me more about the device on which you are tracking these seconds. I'm involved. I have to kind of pull them out of, not out of the air, but out of time itself. Okay, I'm watching you, and I'm, and I'm trying to track what you're doing. I'm going to weave them together into oh. what you you would call, in your tongue, a minute. Okay. And then I'm going to unleash them upon the world. And while they are out, while they exist, you must describe this novel. Okay. And then what is, how, how are you doing that? On what? Very mysterious clock. And then tell me more about it. I, what color is it? <laughs> that is the wrong question, but said in the right way. Okay. Yeah. And the, But you're not going to answer it. I couldn't. Yeah. It's very mysterious clock. I'm going to put 60 seconds on it. 60 seconds are on it. Are you ready? Yeah. It started. Okay. Um, in this book, uh, Christy and Bart and the Crashers go to the next town over, the name of which I've forgotten, to play a game of baseball. And then they win, and on the way home, the van, driven by Charlie Thomas, uh, gets lost in a rainstorm, and they end up in the countryside, and they go over a bridge, and they it gets washed out, and they, they turn around, and the bridge that they came over was all washed out too, and the only thing that they have access to is this creepy old mansion. And they go up to it, and there's a creepy old man there, and he's like, you can stay in my mansion if you want, children. And they do, and it turns out that the mansion is haunted by a woman named Dorothy who died in the 40s, um, or the 30s maybe, and... Then they leave the mansion and they go home and everyone's excited to see them. And they realize that Dorothy is the woman who runs the um, sewing shop in town. And she decides to go and reconnect with her lover, the man who uh, looked after the mansion. And time. Um, yes and no. I think the important thing to get at, which you failed to get at, is that Will, the caretaker of the mansion, was in love with. And they find this out from, of course, there's a fucking diary. Yeah. Um they find this out from the diary that Will and this woman who is the daughter of the uh proprietor of the mansion were going to elope. Um but on the day of her elopement she got lost in a rainstorm and was never seen again and Will has been grieving for the rest of his life which is why he's a cantankerous old man now but it turns out that Dorothy was still alive. No B plot, huh? The B plot is just that everybody is really worried about Everybody's them back in Stony not as worried as I expected them to be. Like, do you remember when Don and 
someone else disappeared on an island. Oh, yes. I will never forget it. For two days, and yeah. literally all of Stony Brook dropped everything they did and formed search parties to find these girls, and it consumed the town for two days and was yeah, national news. they should have been more worried, because there Everyone was no was like, phones. Ah. They, this whole bus went with, like, ten fucking kids. Right. And... I, no one cared. I feel like more could have been done to. to Everyone get to is like, eh, they'll, they'll. They turn were up. worried. They were very worried. Um, I'm trying to think if we have time before the nap time alarm goes off, Tanner. Because oh boy, it's been getting very close. The end of this novel. Uh, well, I actually have something to bring up before the nap time. Alarm okay, goes why don't off. you bring that up and then I'll bring up my thing. Okay, it's um, Boethius. Is it? Yeah. The... Well, that's so perfect because we we're talking about time. Yeah, no, I know, and that's yeah. that's where I that's why I thought of it. Yeah, and I would love to kind of get into Boethius a little bit. Let's finally fucking do it. I'm right? so pleased. Yeah, um, let's just fucking dive in because I think it's relevant to this because the wheel of Boethius is great wheel. The wheel of fortune is true here, where it's like this guy will. He thought that he was on top of the wheel of fortune when. Uh, he was going to elope with the woman of his dreams, and then he then he was crushed beneath its spokes as it turns out that right. she died. And then now, presumably at the end of this novel, when she comes back to him after having spent years just escaped and is going to catch up with him at Marianne and Christie's insistence, he's back atop again. You know what it reminded me of? What? Was De Consolatione... Philosophie. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. No, I know. It's it's. Uh, um, oh no, sorry, not no, no, no. Sorry, not the Constantione de Philosophie. Uh, de. That's literally to- what we've been talking about. De topicis differentes. Okay. His uh, translations of Aristotle's work on logic. Okay. Where he. Um. So you're talking about Aristotle. Oh, no, 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 sorry. We so the, man, they all run together. No, 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 I was talking about the Constellation of Philosophy. Oh, you were? Um, okay, yeah, because so yeah, was yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, so he wrote most of that while under house arrest. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I did. I've talked about it endlessly. Oh, have you? Yeah. Um, the so that's, that's kind of Theodoric. what reminded me of this. That's the, why this text reminded me so much. Oh, no! Because the kids are trapped in God the house. Oh, damn it. Damn it. It was so such a rich vein. Ah, the kids are under house arrest. We don't have time. It's the fucking bedtime alarm. But we went off. can't talk about it because it's bedtime alarm. That was you heard that right? Yeah, I heard it. That's the bedtime alarm. Okay, so what do we do? We gotta. We just we, we go. have to table this. Fuck, fuck, fuck! I can't believe this happened. Okay, I look. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this child to bed, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about hopefully more about. Both I hope days. I can rem- pick up the thread where I left off. I certainly hope so. Oh, gosh. All right. right. Good night, Cyril. Good night. Mystery. Tanner, let's keep talking about Boethius. Sorry, I just, like, we took maybe, like, a half an hour break Mm -hmm. so that you could put the boy down. I ate some dinner. I finished up the little sister. Mm -hmm. I kind of lost track of what we were talking about. Boethius. Um, But I have something new I want to bring up. Okay. Which is... um, Huh. I guess it's a new segment. Okay. And I don't quite know how to introduce it. My instinct is, and my impulse is, to laboriously take 30 minutes to rewrite a gothic poem to fit the segment. I do want to tell the Mystery Nation why you're not going to do that. Could you like you to tell them? Because you me from doing it. You because sent me I... a text message at like 3 p.m. today that said, new rule, no more coming up with gothic poems during records, if you want to do a gothic poem, you need to. It needs to be prepared. Uh-huh. When you come. And how did you feel about that? How did that make I said, you feel? I said, "Fine," in all caps. <laughs> and I said, "I don't like this role, but I understand the the necessity for it." <laughs> okay, good, good. So instead, what I'm going to do to introduce this new segment is. Um... <laughs> Jack and Tanner. Oh my god, why she come out here with this crane on like she at a dark cave? Fashion idiots. Oh, okay. Got no shoes on. Girl, no. <laughs> All them sweaters. 
guess it'll just kind of be like the the segment intro for Stacy and Claudia baseball idiots. Okay. Except instead of like the audio commentary of like blooper reels, uh-huh. it'll be like fashion show know. fails. Yeah, fashion show fails. Okay. Tim Gunn. Okay. Uh, how do you know Tan in France. advance that we're? See, I'm already lost. But how do you know in advance that we're fashion idiots? Um, sneaking suspicion. Okay. There was a thing in here that I didn't know, and I'm 100 percent certain that you are going to be as equally baffled by it as I was. Okay. Should I read it? Yeah, please, please. Okay, it's in the chapter two. And if if I get this right, co- can we go back and change it to? Jack and Tanner, Jack's a fashion genius. And Tanner's a fashion idiot. We'll leave you, we'll just kind of, kind of elide sure. your role. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Although I really don't think you're going to understand what this means. No, you never know. You'd be surprised. I think you'll understand the components of it. Okay. But I don't think you'll understand what it means in one phrase. Okay. Well, let, test me. To me, Stacy looks like a model, honest. She has medium-length blonde hair, which is curly and wild. She gets it permed, I guess, though I never pay too much attention to beauty details like that. Stacy also dresses like a model, in outfits I couldn't even begin to imagine wearing. Like lacy purple leggings with a big floral top, or black miniskirts with little cowboy shoes. Okay. Okay, so what I'm imagining here is... Lacy purple leggings with a big floral top. That seems pretty straightforward. So it's like leggings and they have like a floral just top to them, right? Yeah. A legging is a thing that you put on your leggings, on your little leggies. Yeah. I think. And you have two of the, it's two of them so there there's one on the right leg, one on the left leg if you've got both legs. That's why they're called leggings. Yeah. But sometimes you put a little floral top a little flourish. So it's just like fl- kind of a flowery, yep. like overflowing flowers coming out of the top. And I think the top is above the knee, right? For leggings. I think it's just above the knee. Just above the knee. And then you have little fl- flowers. Okay. So we've got lacy purple leggings with a floral top. And what else is she wearing? And then the second outfit is a black mini skirt with little cowboy shoes. So the mini skirt has little, just little cowboy shoes dangling from it. And so a mini skirt's like a okay. skirt. Okay. Now I'm going to stop you there. Okay. What? What does little cowboy shoes mean? Because either either way, whether or not they are being worn on Stacy's feet mm-hmm. as shoes or whether or not they're dangling from her dress as some kind of like decoration, mm-hmm. I know what cowboy boots are. Oh, cowboy shoes. But I, I have no idea what Well, that's what when cowboys are. relax after a hard day of work, they take off the boots. And the, I think does, it's... Does any shoe worn by a cowboy count as a cowboy shoe? Or is it a specific... Is it like a cut-off boot? Like they take a cowboy boot and they cut it off at like the ankle and it becomes a cowboy shoe? That's what I was imagining. Or maybe it's, it's just, just like cute bedroom slippers that have like cow theme. You know, like it's like the coloring of a cow. Right. Because it's like you're a cowboy and like your your wife or husband got them for Little you as shoes. a as a gag because you're because right. you you your trade it's is like cows. My grandfather once in like 1992 mm-hmm. said that he really likes American bald eagles. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Oh, I just think they're majestic." I really <laughs> like American bald eagles. Yeah, and, and every holiday since. Yeah, for the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. Everyone has bought him <laughs> something American Bald Eagle related. Yeah. Pillows, art prints. Yeah. Whatever. Does he still profess to like them? He like hangs them all up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right. Yep. He's like, okay. Yeah. This okay. is great. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So I think we, so would you want to revise the segment? It's segment Jack, intro stands. Jack Fashion. That sounds like. Cause genius. Didn't, it didn't seem like you, it's kind of sounded like you were, Hemming and hawing, and you were uncertain about what little cowboy shoes were. You were as uncertain about what little cowboy shoes were as I was. It's purple coverings for her little leggies with a flower, flowers coming out the top, just above, just the, above knee. the knees. And then yep. she's got a mini skirt, which is a short, uh, a skirt but smaller. And then hanging off of them are little like what cowboys wear when they're relaxing. We don't okay. know exactly what that is, right. but they're small. And you were you were extremely confident. Yes. In those you're yes. 100% certain that you are correct. That's my final answer. Okay. I'm not going to 
I don't know. Okay. I don't know enough to say whether or not you're right or wrong, but I think your I'm... confidence yeah. makes me believe that you're right. So we'll change the segment intro. Okay. Da-da-da. And here's here's how we're changing it. Yeah. Da-da-da, da-da. It's now a gothic poem. No. And here's how it goes. Okay. No, fuck you. <laughs> da-da-da-da-da. Jack Shepard, fashion genius. And Tanner's also here. And Tanner's here. Tanner, I would like to introduce a segment the way that someone who does their fucking homework introduces a segment. Okay. Via a gothic poem that I wrote prior to us setting up to record today. Okay. Whilst juggling a small family and a career. Okay. You ready? I was at work all day working very hard and managing a team of... People. I was juggling. I no one cares. I'm bleeping that. I went from. No, I went from managing it. people to people. I'm bleeping it so it doesn't sound impressive. And I'm so busy. So it sounds. It sounds like it's nothing. <laughs> Do you want me to like isolate myself saying zero? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um. Okay. You ready? Yep. This is to the tune of. Uh, I guess to the the meter of Keats' Ode on Melancholy. Hand me another brick, my dearest friend, to build a mausoleum all around. This shriveled thing that's reached its natural end, and lower it at last into the ground. So strike the match and join me as we sing a glad goodbye to all of history's men. Let's warm our hands upon this funeral pyre, and think on all the joys that life will bring. And all the light we'll share together when we've put the patriarchy to the fire. It's our strike against the patriarchy. Yeah. Whew. That was good. Okay. I'm worried that my career and all the multiple upon of people who I manage now at work is going to keep me from ever being able to do really good gothic poems. Mm-hmm. As you know, I, as a point of pride, do zero pre-pro mm-hmm. for these apps. Yeah. So, uh, what do we do about that? <laughs> How about this? Here's what we'll do. Why don't we have a second podcast where you and I just spend an hour in Rhyme Zone, just kind of flexing our Ooh, muscles? I love that. And the poems that come out of that podcast, we can recycle and reuse. For this. For everything. For everything in our day-to-day lives. Not just this. Um, Tanner, there was a big fucking strike, fucking massive blow against the patriarchy this week. I know. The whole book was essentially a massive blow against patriarchy. The and it's, plot. And it's, and it's a way of diving into this plot, which we haven't really focused on quite as much as I would like. Um, so this is the end of the book. At the end of the novel... And this is fucking... This At novel... The the day shall be nothing but trouble. Let's just... Let's focus. Okay. This novel was I don't know what that is. It sounded nice. Is it the streets? A, it was a little little tiny taste, a little sting of Lemis. Okay. Well yeah. let's focus then. Let's let's not do that. This novel was written by Ellen Miles. It was directed by M. Knight Shyamalan. And M. Knight. Oh, Mystery Knight Shyamalan. Yeah. That's what it is. Directed yeah. by Mystery Knight, Shyamalan, and Anne Mystery Martin. Holy shit, the twist at the end of this blew my fucking mind. Um, so Will, the caretaker, is like, oh, he like – eventually Christy confronts him and is like, hey, we read all these fucking diaries. Did your fucking beloved girlfriend try to elope with you and drown? And he was like, yes, and I've kept this mansion just the way she liked it for 30 years now. Listen, I know we're right in the middle of Strike Against the Patriarchy. Yeah. But she literally destroyed this man's life. Mm-hmm. She destroyed his life. The reason they were eloping is because her dad didn't approve of the marriage. Right. And she, so on the day of their wedding, it was a stormy night. Everyone thinks there's a ghost. At the end of the book, Marianne and Christy are talking and Christy shows the picture that Karen stole of this girl when she was a young lady to Marianne. And Marianne's like, that looks a lot like a young version of this fucking woman in 
the sewing shop that I go to. So they go to the sewing shop and they fucking confront her. And she's like, yep, I am Dorothy Sawyer. I didn't die. Here's a passage. Finally, I finished. She was silent for a while. And then she started to talk. You know, she said, I did love Will very much. I gasped. And I heard my friends gasp, too. So, you are? I asked. Yes, she said, nodding. I'm Dorothy Sawyer. At least, I was. And as I said, I did love Will Blackburn. But that night, that stormy, stormy night, when I was swept downstream by the raging creek, we were all leaning forward to catch every word. I realized something. As I was climbing up the muddy bank where I had finally found something to hold on to, I realized that for the first time in my life, I was free. Free! I was on my own. I didn't have to answer to any man, not father, not Will. For as much as Will loved me, I knew he would have given me the same sort of life that father had. A life that was overprotected and stifling. Dorothy paused and looked very serious for a moment. And so I never returned, she went on. I know it was wrong to let them think I was dead, but it was the only way I could see for me to take control of my life. And take control I did. I made up a new identity for myself. I traveled all over the world. I had a wonderful time. And then finally I settled into this little town near the village of my childhood. Since I've always loved needlework and sewing, I opened this store ten years ago. And I've been here ever since. Fuck you, Will and Dad. and Fuck you, Will and Dad. And men, all men in everywhere. general. Who are trying to fucking hold this young entrepreneur back. Right. But also... But also, holy shit. Yeah. You ruined his life. You ruined his life. He's been sitting in this abandoned mansion for 50 years, mourning your loss. And then she's so flippant about it, too. She's And they're like, oh, you know, he really misses you. She's like, no, I guess I could toss him a visit. (laughs) Yeah. If I feel like it. That's how it ends in this interesting way where, like, Christy and Marianne are like, oh, you should go visit him. And she's like, all right, yeah, I'll go check him out now that I know where he is. And it's like, that's not necessarily going to be the happy reunion you all think it's going to be. That could break that. He fucking spent the last 50 years keeping the mansion. He bought the mansion from her father and doesn't live in it. He lives in the cottage down the road and just keeps the mansion in a pristine state. Right. Actually, he does sound kind of like a creep. I think he might be a creep, and yeah. I'm worried for her her safety if she goes back to the mansion now. I just had a thought. Let me read you this passage real quick. This is when they first find the clippings about this elopement and the disappearance of Dorothy. I looked over Jackie's shoulder and saw the headline on one of the clippings. Local girl still missing. See? It said. She disappeared, said Patty, on the night of June 8th. Oh, my Lord, I said. That was the night she was supposed to elope with Will. Mm. Tanner, June 8th? That means that her freedom began. On June 9th. Probably on or around June 9th. Which is just one one fucking day day out. From June 10th. From June 10th. The date. The date. Do you think this is a subtle message from Anne? She got it's fucking tantalizing, isn't it? It's tantalizing. On June 8th, Dot Sawyer mm-hmm. disappeared. She right. was washed away. Yes. On June 9th, there was no person. She rested. She rested. Yeah. And then like a phoenix reborn from the ashes. Right. On June 10th, Dorothy Sawyer erupted from the banks of the whatever river. Yeah. And formed a new life for herself as the owner and operator of a sewing store. Yes. The Great Weaver. The Great Weaver. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That's roughly, if you did the math, that's roughly how long it would take to fall into a stream and collect yourself and then emerge born anew, cleansed of your old life. She was baptized. Baptized. She was baptized. This is a, ba- a book about a baptism. She fell into the river. Yeah. She floated down it for two days. She emerged in a new city. She emerged as a new person, and she a new, uh, emerged with a cleansed soul. Yeah. And Will was back in her old city, 
yeah. slowly dying for the rest of his life. She was born that day, and he died that day. Right. I imagine on June 8th and June 9th, he held out hope that maybe the elopement was going to happen. She had just had been knocked out or something and was going to come to in a hospital. But around June 10th, for all intents and purposes, he died. He dead. And she was born anew. Strike against the patriarchy. Strike against the patriarchy. Um, let's see. I've got a segment for you. Okay. Do you want a segment? Mm-hmm. I got one for you. Great. Now, do we have an intro for this one? <laughs> I think we do, and I think you're doing something fun and new with it. Okay. Um, which is you play kind of a thumping techno beat. Okay. Which I imagine is beginning now. Mm-hmm. As I read the passage. Okay. And when I get to the relevant part of the passage, yeah, the beat drops. Okay. This is after the crashers are saved. Mm-hmm. Everyone is on the They're having a pizza party. BSC. As soon as everyone grabbed a slice, Claudia held up her hand. Wait a second, she said. I think we should have a pizza toast. To Christy. She held up her slice, point out, Here's to our president who survived a night in the haunted house. And a night with eight kids, added Marianne, holding up her slice. We all held up our slices and bumped the points together. You did a face when I said that. I like that. I just like that. I like the image of that. <laughs> then we cracked up. It's a silly tradition. Okay, so that's a, that's another universe breaking thing. Right. This is not a tradition in the main canon. Yeah, they've never done that. I definitely it's a silly tradition, but we love it. I took a big bite of my pizza. Mmm, I said. This makes up for the night of bread. Mitt's <laughs> the night of bread. That's what they're calling this harrowing night in the mansion that they all had, the Crashers. They call it's it now the night forever of known bread? as the night of bread. Wow. Because that's all that Will gave them to eat. Yeah. He gave them a, a handful of blankets and a paper bag with water, bread, and apples in it. God, it's all fucking bread. And it just, these mysteries are really hitting that particularly hard. No, I know. The night of bread? Yeah, and I can't really remember who's responsible for incepting and really pushing, holding, carrying the torch for bread theory for the last four years I don't so. think we need to dwell on that. I think I would say, I came up with it. It took you a while to come along. You're like the scully to my molder. But here we both are now, and it doesn't ultimately doesn't matter who is the skeptic. I feel like your skepticism helped to push me deeper and harder and made me ask the tougher questions, and now here we both are. So let's not dwell on the beginning of it. Let's just rejoice in the fact that you finally come along and we're both here. Uh, it's all bread. It's all the it's way all down. Bread all the way down. This is the night of bread. This will forever be known as the night of bread. Yeah. Did you notice while we're talking about some, the fucking crazy mysterious shit that happens in this book? Did you notice that they brought up Shadow Lake? Yeah. I'll read you the passage really quickly. I tried to think about something nice. I thought about Watson's cabin up at Shadow Lake where my friend – this is Christy trying to like visualize something pleasant so she doesn't have a panic attack – where my friends and I had gone for vacation once. I thought about the morning sun shimmering on the water and about walking around the lake together. Usually calling up favorite memories makes me relax and puts me right to sleep. Oh, we talked about this earlier. It didn't work. I was still seeing Dorothy's face in my mind. Right. But this is the fucking thing that happened on Shadow Lake is the same exact shit that happened to fucking Will. Oh, right. She's seeing an echo of another universe. Right, the main universe. And what happened on Shadow Lake is that the caretaker of an old mansion was going to meet this woman to elope, and then she she and everyone in the mansion disappeared. Well, the uh, lightning hit the mansion, and it burned down, and they all died. But nobody knows what the fuck happened, like whether they all like got up and left in the middle of the night or what. It's another disappearing lover, and right. the old caretaker talks to Dawn. He is, so ghosts, Tanner, are echoes of the past. Ghosts are ripples between worlds. This mansion is haunted 
by one of these echoes between these two universes. Of I have a question about Dorothy your theory on ghosts. And whoever this fucking dude is. Yes. Are they capable of becoming aggressive, these echoes? I don't know. I mean, uh, probably, right? They, they're, they're troubled and angry and were ripped out of their lives suddenly from one universe to the next, right. set adrift. I'd be angry. And if they, were, if they were anger, angry and they did lash out and were aggressive, do we have any kind of system in place now to combat that, to defend ourselves against these malicious spirits? Well, in the Netflix original movie Spectral, yeah, they like they get these like scientists who figured out like an infrared thing, okay. type of thing, where you can see ghosts. Okay, and is that a documentary or is that? I think I couldn't tell honestly. It's one of these things that it's like it looks like it could be a documentary, but it might be like a a fictionalized account of a true story. Right. Okay. But you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Why? What? What are you thinking? Uh, no, I'm just I'm I'm just being proactive. I think like yeah. if we do not have these systems in place, I would like right. to figure out how we do get them in place, and I would like to figure that out soon before it's too late. I think that what we're learning from this novel is that. The ghosts in the Babysitter's Club mysteries are ripples from another universe. Right. Like, the resonance between what happened on Shadow Lake and what happened here in Redfield is way too close. And the fact that Christy references it, a caretaker back in the past, suddenly during an elopement, the woman disappeared. Right. It's a fucking uncanny. Right. And Redfield. Yeah. We know where that comes from what is it what is that resident evil oh is that in resident evil it's the name in resident evil one chris redfield is the one of the main characters and in resident evil two uh his sister claire redfield is one of the main characters so okay. it's pretty significant is um is a army of helicopters flying yeah, over your... i think um it's the big one yeah <laughs> it's the big one here <laughs> I'm Sounds not like quite sure what's happening. Your your dog and... type type situation, <laughs> um, but Hercules is losing his mind at something, and there's multiple helicopters just yeah. beelining for something. Wait, wait, what was it you were saying about when we grow old, we're gonna sit on the like peacefully sit on the porch in New York <laughs> together? Because <laughs> I don't think that's how it's gonna work. There'll be helicopters. Around. <laughs> I mean, that is if this. It, Assuming this isn't the big one and I don't die tonight. But... Yeah. Uh, Jack? Yes. Oh, taunt, thou art sick. A very good burn that stings you so right. A knife that doth turn. It gets in your head, but oh, so soon it will cause me to call the burn unit. It's burn of the week. It's burn of the week. Um, and I've this got is... more than I can count. Oh wow! Okay, well let's have. But I want. I have a very special burn of the week. Okay, and let's it's hear. special. It's thematic and it's special. Okay, let's hear it. <clears throat> Here's my very special burn of the week, Jack. Okay, and I need you to join me on this. Okay, in what way? Like this. Burn of the week! <laughs> I love it. Let's hear it. In the last drawer I opened, I found another scrapbook full of newspaper clippings. These were more recent ones, from the 1940s. They seemed to be a series of stories, all by the same reporter about the ghost of Sawyer Road. The stories were more funny than scary, as if the writer had a sense of humor and didn't really believe in ghosts. For example, he told a story about a man who had reported seeing a woman in a long, wet bridal gown walking along the stream. The reporter suggested that the man had been out too late on a Saturday night. <laughs> That's old-timey burn of the week number one. Yeah. Good. Then he told stories about the people. Then he told stories about people seeing smoke rise from the chimney, but the reporter wondered whether the smoke was in the viewer's eyes. <laughs> it was all lightly done, and I would have thought it was funny, except 
Jackie Radowski knew all these stories, so they've been passed around for 50 years. Well, and somebody fucking died. And someone died, yeah. Like, this reporter, I don't know how things went down in those days, but this... It's, re- like, it's like Charles Winchester the first. Yeah, Charles Winchester the <laughs> first. Crispin Deflator Mouse the first is like... Charles, uh, an heiress in a wedding dress died in the rain. And he's like, but I'm a humorist. <laughs> You'll make it work, Charles. I've got the perfect story that was rejected from Harper's Bazaar. <laughs> I'll write about it here. It's about people who are too drunk on Saturday nights. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And that must have been very painful for Will to read. In his yeah. local paper. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. All-time burn of the week. Very good. I love it. I assume it. it'll be a recurring segment. Um, Tanner, I would love for us to get the fuck out of here. Okay. Unless there's anything that you'd very specifically like to talk about. I mean, there's TMs, but... Did you cry? Yeah. Okay. Did you? Yeah. You did. Okay. <gasps> Once I heard of a dead doggy, and my mind grew weak and foggy. His tragic fate was writ in Martin's lore. He was but a border collie, and to weep would be such folly. Overcome by melancholy, sorry, but there must be more. Louis's gone to be with Mimi. Sad goodbyes I do abhor. Tearful moments come once more. Um, excuse me, I said. Mr. Blackburn? I watched the man's face. Oh, did you know my name? He asked. Just a hunch, I said. We found some newspaper articles. Oh, so you think you know the whole story, do you? Mr. Blackburn said, suddenly sounding fierce. That wasn't fierce. Oh, so you think you know the whole story, do you? Mr. Blackburn said suddenly, sounding fierce. Well, there's more to it than you can read in the paper. There is? I said, leaning toward him. Can you tell us? It's a sad tale, he said. About a man who lost the love of his life and never got over it. That man is me. After Dorothy disappeared, I... I... Well, I just never really recovered. I bought this house and I kept it the way it was when Dot, that's what I called her, lived here. I don't know why, except that somehow it's a comfort to me. But I can't bear to live here amidst all these memories. He gestured as if to include the whole house. That's why I live down in the cottage. very sad she really fucked him over yeah he's his entire life has been destroyed look i it, shell of a human i endorse a husk the strike against the patriarchy that dorothy struck i endorse yeah. it but it's it's at what cost a, at what cost <laughs> is i that's what i'm asking it was probably worth it she had lived a free and full life yeah and he lived an li- but, li- and <laughs> empty life of a husk of a fucking human being. destroyed him yeah um, Tanner, I feel like we should probably leave. Oh, okay. Baby Nation, thank you. So, sorry, Mystery Nation, thank you so much for bearing with us. Tanner, thank you Mystery for... Mystery Babies. Mystery Babies, thank you. We said something the other day that I liked. Was... Riddle Babies. Riddle Babies. Riddle Babies. That one stuck out at me. I was like, I like Riddle Babies. <laughs> All right, we'll, t- we'll try to go with that going forward, see if it sticks. Oh, riddle Babies. Thank you so much for bearing with us. Riddle me this, Riddle Babies. <laughs> Riddle me this, riddle babies. Are we ever going to end this episode? Please. Okay. Thank you for bringing weather standard. Thank you for bringing with me. If you have not already, what are you doing? Run, do not walk to patreon.com slash bscc podcast and subscribe to our whole other show where we talk about the little sister big episodes. It's fun and it's elite and it's fantastic. And it's only $5 a month. Buy our merch. Bit.ly slash BSCC merch. Lovingly handcrafted by Baby B. John Axbox at Apple Twitter. And we're probably going to put some new merch up very soon. So Maybe. stay tuned for that. Maybe it'll be a Riddle Babies shirt. 
Yeah. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review our show on iTunes. It helps us to move through the rankings. This week we read a novel that was called Christy and the Haunted Mansion. Next week, we're going to be reading... Excuse me? In two days. Well, yeah, for you and me, two days, because we're (laughs) frantically stockpiling these, just in case your riddle baby gets born. Um, (laughs) Next week, we're going to be talking about a novel called Stacy and the Mystery Money. What's that Rihanna song? You can sing it now if you'd like. Um, Bitch better have my money. Wow. Don't come at me with those terms. I don't know how it goes. Very aggressive. (laughs) Okay. I thought you might like under my umbrella, (laughs) Ella, Ella, A, 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 under my umbrella, Ella, Ella. That is not what I was asking for. Stop it. (laughs) Next week, we're going to be reading a book called Stacy and the Mystery Money. In the meantime, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. We are all supper for time. We are all supper for time. Good night. Bye. Okay. Um, Did you boy like Baby Shark? Uh, there's like a spinoff called Baby Car that he likes better. Ooh, I like that better too. Although, how can cars be babies? You know, they're manufactured. They're not born. They don't grow. Yes, that's true. So, it's kind of. I don't understand that universe. The baby car. Yeah, it's just like there's a mama car and a dada car, and then they have a baby procreation. I don't have time to explain how this works to you. Sexual procreation. The. Mom, when a mama car and a dad car love each other very much, and that's how all cars happen, I, sweetheart. Is this is it like an isolated universe? If you didn't learn this in did you did you take man a course of study? It was called Makos when I was in fifth grade. It was called man a course of study, and it <laughs> was that. very problematic. Yeah. <laughs> they separate the boys and the girls. It can't be the right way to do it. I'm sure they've updated it. <laughs> that was a headgum podcast. <laughs> <laughs>